Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. When you hear God, what comes into your mind? How is it that you think of Him? One very appropriate way to think of God is judge. As the Bible says, it is necessary for everyone to go before the judgment seat of Almighty God. Now, if you're a believer, where you're going to spend eternity is not what's going to be judged. That has already been decided. The moment that someone accepts the gospel, doesn't matter who he is, who she is, what their background is, what sins they have committed. When you trust in God's only plan of salvation, that gospel, you will be eternally saved. You will find God's grace being sufficient, what he achieved for you on the cross in order to bring you into his kingdom where you will be for eternity. So we're not talking about in this message How is it that I enter into the kingdom of God? Where is it that one is going to spend eternity? In the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at, it is addressed to believers. Therefore, every believer will be in the kingdom of God. What we're talking about is what type of experience are you going to have in the kingdom of God? And the Bible makes it very clear. Not every believer is going to have the same type of kingdom experience. We want to be, as Messiah taught in Matthew chapter 5, we want to be ones that are great in the kingdom of God. And how do we become great in the kingdom of God? Not just a member of the kingdom of God, but how do we become great? The answer is by serving God, by doing the things that God has called us to, to do, to being faithful to what God has said that he wants from each of us. So let me ask you a question. When you go before God on that judgment, how is it that he's going to think of you? Is he going to say, well done? Is he going to be pleased with you? Do you have confidence that you are living a life that is praiseworthy? that God is pleased with, and what is the foundational truth in order to live such a praiseworthy life? Well, that's what Paul's going to reveal to us in this passage of Scripture. So with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 12. The book of Romans and chapter 12. Now, this portion of Scripture is is often taught, it's well-known, But we want to see it in a most literal sense. We're going to pay attention to the grammar of the text and the language that Paul uses so that we can have a fuller understanding of this passage so 
that the objective can be met, that we will live a well-pleasing life, that he will be pleased by our behavior. So we're not talking about simply being declared righteous by faith. That is wonderful. That is necessary. But we're talking about behaving righteously, living in a way that brings glory and honor to God. So what does Paul say here? Look, if you would, to verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, therefore. Now, that word therefore demands that we remember what Paul has just said, what the author has revealed previously. Therefore, if we look, we see that Paul has said at the conclusion of the previous chapter, chapter 11, He's spoken about how we are to be ones that that glorify him. He says, to him is the glory forever. So we need to live a life that glorifies him. So ask yourself that question, how am I doing in regard to this? Am I living a life that brings glory to God? that he's going to be well-pleased with my performance. And again, someone will say, but we're not saved by performance. That's right. That's entirely true. We are not saved by our performance, but we're not talking about how one is saved. We're talking to believers and whether we are going to be living a life that God is pleased with, that is fulfilling the purpose for which he saved us. And that is to glorify him. So he says, to him be glory. That's the objective. So are we living a life that is glorifying him? And how do we do that? Well, look at verse 1. He says, therefore, and this is obviously a very important issue. Because he says here, he uses this word in Greek that many times it's translated I exhort you. That is a word of strong, strong encouragement. So it's an exhortation. He says, I exhort you, brethren. That's important because he's speaking to brothers and sisters in the faith, fellow believers. Everything that Paul's going to reveal in this passage of Scripture is for believers, those who are saved, those who will be in the kingdom of God. And let me just simply say, you should have assurance that you're going to be in the kingdom of God. Why? Well, we alluded to one reason. It's not based upon me, my performance. Where I spend eternity in the kingdom of God or outside the kingdom of God is not dependent upon me, but rather it's dependent upon Messiah. If I receive the work of Messiah by faith, seeking his grace, I will be in the kingdom of God. Not dependent upon me, but what he has done in behalf of me. That substitute that he has become for me. So by him, I am eternally redeemed. And if one ignores what he's done, then that person is going to be eternally lost that person has no hope whatsoever so here in romans 12 paul says brethren meaning brothers and sisters those who 
have accepted the gospel and he says i exhort i encourage i beseech you brethren how well here it is this is what's important he says and your bible might say by the mercy it's a word that's better translated compassion it speaks of this one looking upon another and having compassion for that one and compassion causes it is a word of action it causes one to do something and what it says here by the compassion of god god looked at our spiritual condition and he saw what that spiritual condition being loss being in sin being separated from him what that would bring about and god was moved so many times in the gospels we see that the scripture says that yeshua was moved by compassion and every time he was moved by compassion he did something usually he healed someone he brought about restoration he moved to alleviate that pain that suffering that discomfort and brought about a change that was glorious and the outcome of the compassion of god was when he moved with compassion the outcome was praise people glorified god they saw the power of god the love of god and they glorified him so once more therefore i beseech you a strong word of encouragement i exhort you brethren by the compassion of god that we do something when we understand the compassion of god how he is moved to change our eternity it is going to bring about a change what is that change he's going to tell us he says here to present your bodies this is a word of offering it's a word of of sacrifice so that we present our bodies and the implication is we present our lives unto him how well he tells us very specifically a living sacrifice so we're supposed to live a life that is offered up to him sacrificially as long as we are alive it says a living sacrifice so to present your bodies a living sacrifice how do i do that well notice that next word it is a word holy and as i've said many many times in order to understand that biblical concept of holiness holiness is always connected to the purposes of god so i live a life offered up to him sacrificially achieving moving wanting to do the purposes of god now here's what i want you to see there's no exception to this if you have received the compassion of god now there's an inherent relationship between compassion and grace god was moved by compassion and therefore he made available grace how did he do that through the cross and grace is going to move us to the purposes of god i want you to hear that when we are saved by grace that grace just doesn't save us it does that eternally 
but it also will move us, give us a desire to do the purposes of God. Am I saved by doing the purposes of God? You are not. I am not. We are saved by grace, by what he has done for us. But having received that grace, that grace is not only going to save us, but it's going to change us and cause us to be committed to the purposes of God. So he says, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, meaning according to the purposes of God. And then we have a word, which means two Greek words, the word for pleasing, and there's a prefix attached to it, that word which means well. So well-pleasing, to live a life that God is pleased with, and he's pleased with it in an exceedingly manner. That's what we're called to do. So are you doing that? Do you have a desire to do that? If you understand the compassion of God, you are going to want to present your body as a living sacrifice according to the purposes of God, to be well-pleasing to God. And then he says, you're reasonable. It's where we get the English word logical. You're reasonable service. So having been saved, I am called to serve God. And the objective of serving God is, according to his purposes, so I can be well-pleasing to him. So on judgment day, if I do that, if I submit to that, if I am moved by grace, there is going to be an outcome that he is going to be well-pleased with me because I lived a sacrificial life well-pleasing to him. And he is going to say, well done. He is going to recognize me as his servant. Now, move on to, to verse 2. He tells us what we should do, and now he's going to tell us what we ought not do. And it is disastrous if we fail in this. He says, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this age. Now, the word age represents world and the culture of the world. So what he's saying, no matter when someone lived, do not be conformed, that is, do not become alike, do not let the world and its character, its culture, influence you. Do not be changed by the world. We're called, as we live that well-pleasing life, according to the purposes of God, we're called to bring change into the world, not to be changed by the world. This is what he's revealing. So he says, and do not be conformed to this age, but, but rather be ye, and it's a word of transformation. It's a word, it's the Greek word where we get the English word metamorphosis, which is just a long word for change. So he says, be changed, but it's a transformation. That change makes us different. It is distinct from the ways of the world. How is it? According to the kingdom. So he says, but, but rather, you be transformed, and the question is how. And notice what he says. Now, when we look at this next phrase, there is a difference between the Texas Receptus 
and the the greek manuscript called nestle allen now normally i like the texas receptus but in this case i think that the fact that the word year is not in nestle allen's edition gives us insight into something because many people believe that it's this that i'm going to be transformed that's right but that transformation what's the outcome of it well notice what he says but be ye transformed by and i would translate it the renewed mind many translations in the text of receptus says be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind but that word your is not in many manuscripts many do not have that word your mind but simply a renewed mind now that word renewing i want you to see another place where it appears turn if you would to the book of titus the book of titus and chapter three we're going to look at one verse verse five titus chapter three and verse five and we read here in this fifth verse talking about our new condition who we are now in messiah and he says that this transformation this new identity came about he says not from works in righteousness now does that mean we shouldn't do righteous work no of course not we ought to do righteous deeds righteous things but this transformation does not come about because of our righteous works it comes through his righteous work on the cross so he says not by works in righteousness which we have done but according to here it is his mercy now it's a different word than compassion it's similar it's a synonym but he says here but according to his mercy and what came about that mercy brought about a change for he saved us and he saved us and this word salvation here just doesn't mean being members of the kingdom of god does it have that aspect yes it does but it means more than that because that salvation has to do with being healed being put back into the right condition and what he says here that that he saved us through the washing of regeneration and here's that same word the renewing of the holy spirit now this regeneration well there's a great scripture that speaks of that paul writes it when he says if anyone is in messiah what's the outcome of being in messiah we receive the holy spirit and that holy spirit brings about regeneration how do we understand that through regeneration we become a new creation so let's go back to our verse from from romans chapter 12 and look at what he says here in verse verse 2 where he says do not be conformed to this age but be transformed by the renewed mind it's not that my mind is improved it is altered it becomes better that's not what it's saying regeneration and the renewing by means of the holy spirit makes me to be a new creation it's not a new and improved not a better 
but it's totally new it's a change a transformation where i have a new identity that's why paul says if anyone is in messiah he is a new creation i am a new person and therefore it's not my mind but the renewed mind and we have several passages that speak about the mind of christ so it's not my mind is improved i through regeneration this renewing by means of the holy spirit i have a different mind the mind of messiah and it's only this new mind his mind that that brings about this transformation in a believer's life why well look at the second part of verse verse two for and this is a word of purpose in order to that you should document what is the good and here's that same word well-pleasing and perfect will of god now what's he saying through this transformation i am going to document and it's the greek word documezo it's a word of evidence a word of proof so as being a new creation having been regenerated not that that old man that old person is dead if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old things gone away behold all is new so i have a new mind the mind of messiah whereby what am i interested in here's what it says that i'm going to buy behavior now am i saved by this no i'm saved by grace but by behavior by behavior i am going to prove give evidence through my deeds what is the good and well-pleasing and perfect will of god everyone who's truly saved is going to be committed to god's will and not just say yes god's will is good but rather we're going to demonstrate by action the will of god and we are going to show what is the will of god why it's well pleasing to him and this word perfect means the objective the the destination the completion we are going to persevere until the will of god is fulfilled in our life that's what we're going to be interested in so he says let's move on to verse three for i say by the grace notice how grace comes into play here for i say by the grace of the one who gave to me and who's he speaking to he says to to all the ones among you to everyone who's among you and he says it's a warning do not think beyond or above what it's necessary to think now he talked about we need to have a new mind this regeneration gives us the mind of messiah and we ought not think beyond what is necessary and many times and and i don't mean to be critical but many times you hear people talking about dreams from my standpoint when people talk about dreams be very very uh, cautious because so many false teachers false prophets they emphasize dreams and they tell you things like dream big dreams well where's that in the bible where is anyone ever commanded to dream big dreams 
Now, God gives us dreams. This word is related to the Hebrew word chazon, which is a vision. It means we want his perspective. And he says here, look very carefully. For I say to you by the grace of the one who gave to me, and he says this to everyone among you, do not think above or beyond what is necessary to think, but to think how to be sober-minded, meaning to think in appropriateness to the truth of God. That's what being sober-minded is, being thoughtful concerning the truth of God. And then he says, keep reading, to each one as God has proportion, a portion of faith. Now here, in this context, the word faith is related to, related to call. So we need to think appropriately based upon the measure of faith that God's given to us in order to complete the call that we've received from him. It's all based upon, and the context bears this out, God's will for our life. That we need to think upon God's revelation appropriately. And he has given us faith, that call, and the measure of faith in order to fulfill that call, but it's all initiates from him. He is the originator of this. So it's not, I have these big dreams for myself. That's rooted in pride, not upon the revelation of God. Verse 4, he says, For just as in one body we have many members, but... The men, many members do not all have the same function. So realize we have to find out what is our call, and that is based upon the faith that God has given to us. That faith to fulfill the call of, of the living God upon our life. So we don't have all the same function. Thus, look now to our last verse, verse 5. Thus... The many, meaning there's many individuals, many parts in a body we are in Messiah. Now here he's talking about the body of Christ. And he says within the body of Christ, we could say the congregation of redeemed, the church, there are many individuals, many members. But this is what he says. Look at the last part of verse 5. But even though there's many, he says, but the member, the individual, according to, and then he says, for one another. Now, I realize that's, that's choppy. That's kind of difficult to understand, but this is what he's saying. Even though in the body of Christ, the church, there are many members, and we don't all have the same function. God has not given us the same call nor the same measure of faith. But there is something in common, that each member, what do we do? We serve, we do according to, and here's what he says, we do according to for one another. So we are called to serve one another for the betterment of what? The entire body. That's what we need to be thinking, and God has transformed us in order to being a blessing to one another, in order that we can assist one another in each person moving more and more according to the purposes of God and for the doing of the will of God. 
This is our call as believers in Messiah Yeshua. Well, until next time, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <music>